Okay, today we're going to be having a conversation with Thomas Tong, and he runs a pretty unique company called Cannabis Aid. And basically what they do is they go in and do canopy management for cannabis growers. So more often than not, a lot of new businesses may not have the technical expertise to maximize their yields or just be efficient in their processes. And Thomas and his teams come in and will handle that portion of it. It's really the art and the soul of the craft. This is really the skill craft and the the trade. This is this is stuff you don't learn in school. You just have to spend time in the garden and and get to know this. So this is an incredibly valuable thing that he and his teams do in that it can save time and money and make money and also prevent a lot of uh, pests or diseases. So this is going to be a really interesting podcast for the people that want a job working in a garden. So let's get on the phone with Thomas right now and get into it. Here we go. Good evening. This is Thomas. Hey, Thomas. This is Matt Hoffman. How are you doing? Excellent, Matt. Nice to hear your voice. Yeah, yours as well. All Quite right. Interesting time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, thanks for participating in the podcast. I think it's going to be a pretty cool perspective that you're going to provide to the people that would be interested in working in a garden. So thanks for thanks for sharing your time and your knowledge. For sure. I look forward to it. I look forward to sharing with our community and sharing with you. And thank you for having me. Yeah, happy to. Happy to. So let's dive right in. What do you do in the cannabis industry? What's your company? And... And what do you guys do? Cannabis Aid is very unique. It is a community-focused company, organization. We do three things. Events, programs, and professional services. Events, normally we have our October event at the TCF Center that invites business, industry, and government. And it's one of our more important event that brings our community together, but we're scheduled uh, now that we are recreational and we've partnered with others and we have a capacity for both consumption events and uh, commerce events and inviting licensees. Uh, we have five events in 2021 scheduled. Um, and so we're really excited for our events. Our programs, our biggest program is our uh, Michigan uh, Veterans for Cannabis program, and uh, it offers, we're out to sign up every single provisioning center in Michigan, so that when a vet gets, goes to a provisioning center, anyone, their savings and support are very similar, very consistent. So that's our program, and we have a program for veterans as well as we're kicking off one for uh, students, 21 and up, and educators, and uh, for senior citizens. And then we have our professional services, and that uh, works with licensees and on a lot of different levels, from consulting around their business from, and budgets to license and securing land. But most importantly, when they're operating, we provide pre- and post-harvest services, and that helps a lot of uh, cultivation operators. 
So that's what we're up to, uh, Matt. Those three big things, events, programs, and professional services. Our professional services make 17% profit, and that profit funds our nonprofit programs and events. And we're very proud of that business structure and those that participate with us. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> that's a really interesting way to fund a nonprofit. That's that's innovative. And you know, the first thing that popped to mind was, oh, wow, Thomas, do you do you have enough going on? Like, <laughs> that's a that is a full plate for sure. That's cannabis that's- aid is my offering to our community. It's a work in progress. It's not. It's a cost recovery organization. We aren't looking to make money. We're looking to support our community and empower our community. And so it's a very unique organization. You know, I have other business interests, of course, in the cannabis sector, but cannabis aid, I treat equally or more efforts. I believe in our community. We are, it's a beautiful community uh, and it's only growing. Um, So the need for cannabis aid, I think is very unique and I hope that it's sustainable over time. Well, yeah, and if you don't mind, I'd like to I'd like to focus a little bit on the canopy plant management. I know that you're hiring people right now, and that's yes. fantastic news for the people that that need and want a job. And so I'd like to focus on that. So walk me through, you know, what is a day, what is a day working at Cannabis Aid pre and post harvest? What does that look like? Sure, we provide. Usually it starts at 8 a.m. Okay. We often meet up at our office in Warren, Michigan at 7.15 and the crews get organized and we go out to our clients. We have multiple clients. We never, ever talk about who our clients are, even with each other. Mm. Uh, we Discretion is absolutely essential in our industry especially the fact that we provide services where sometimes the service is dealing with a problem Mm. and not everyone needs to know about problems. Yeah. Um, So discretion is really, really important to us. But a day starts off with a crew coming together. There's a crew chief and then there are senior support specialists and then regular support specialists that make up our crew. We don't have fancy names. It's pretty basic, (laughs) you know, because we do so many different things around a cultivation operation that we don't want to put names on things. So uh, the crew chief is accountable for our performance when they're on the job. And that, and uh, uh, along with ensuring we maintain SOPs and, and force regulation, not just, observe it, not just be stewards of it, but enforce it all. And, and I'm very proud of how we operate that way. Yeah. Um, we walk into organizations most often are just kicking off and we help them mature massively in a very short period of time, whether it be setting up a room on a flip or maintaining a schedule around plant maintenance and the total cost of a plant to harvesting, setting up their whole harvest processes. 
we package, we do light manufacturing, such as pre-rolls. So we do everything right across the facility, right along with flipping a, a new room and getting it called cleaned up and sanitized. And, and everything has a clock to it because we are, by definition, a manufacturing capacity for our customers. And they want to see that manufacturing capacity at full operation. So we're pretty hard on our folks and we're very proud of how they show up. Well, yeah. And it, it, the, the industry, yeah, it, I think that sometimes people have a misconception of what working in a garden is specifically. And what it is, is it's a blend of manufacturing, which is a tough job and agriculture, which is an even tougher job. It's a lot of yeah. hard work and, the devil's yeah. in the details and it's got to be done right every time. And that's just, that's what it is. And a lot of it's not glorious. You know, it's, it's not glorious work. It's just more often than not, it's a glorified janitor really. <laughs> well, what we have, you, what you have to do is make it fun. Yeah. For example, plant maintenance, defoliation. Uh, we create a line and there's, and we put a, a set time per plant based mm. on the genetic, based on the cultivar. And it might be seven minutes of plant to clean it up. Yeah. It might be 12 minutes of plant to clean it up, right? But there is a leader in, in the line. And the leader, the line might be five, 10 people doing one plant mm. uh, each. They're all beside each other so they can see the speed. And the leader sets the time. And then there's an anchor. I'm the anchor most often. And so if a plant is set at seven minutes, the leader will call at six minutes, one minute left, mm. and you got to finish that plant. And they move all and slide down. You know, if, it's, if the yeah. line is 10, they slide down another 10. And I'm the anchor, and I clean them all up in a way that it doesn't matter who did it. They look exactly the same. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. And in many hands, I make light work. And just because it, it can be hard work doesn't mean that it can't Correct. be fun. It can be serious, but it can be fun too. So that's, Correct. that's we, interesting. Gamify, gamifying that, that process. We, we have time against it. We we promote it. We do different things to promote performance. Yeah. Uh, we have music. We create a very positive environment. Um, and it's very, very healthy. We're very proud of how we usher in a culture of performance that is optimistic. Yeah. That is, has a passion for, for the plant and for the environment that the plant lives in. Let's, let's talk about that too, though, where, you know, how much time when I was training my staff, I remember it took a, it took a tremendous amount of time before I could say, uh, Hey, Joe, will you go do, will you go mix up a nutrient solution for veg weeks three and four, and then go into flowering and defoliate week one. And before I could go, okay, I don't have to check her. I, I know she knows it. She's proficient. It took a long time. So the the training that goes in, because what we're talking about is the craft. This is the skill. This is the art. This is the, the beating heart and soul of cannabis. 
This is the stuff you have to learn by doing it. So it takes time to learn these, these trades. And if people aren't having a good time at work, you'll lose them. And that's correct. That's and in cannabis, especially now, because there's a skill shortage for this thing that you're doing, nobody can afford to do that. So that's really the way I operate. Yeah. The way I operate, Matt, is I think of it like a hospital and with residents and, you know, residency and doing rounds. And the objective Uh is to learn in action. See, we promote being a learning organization. All of our customers are not set yet. We're learning together. And our goal is to solve their hardest problems. We don't show up when it's easy. Yeah, We're supplemental. We show up when there's a breakdown or when they're overwhelmed. So what are some, and what are some examples of a, of a breakdown or, or being overwhelmed? It may be an early harvest that's unscheduled because a pathogen has come in mm-hmm. and they want to isolate it and not impact the whole harvest. So let's get the harvest down. It might be permitting issue that the local permitting ordinance just didn't come in and finalize so you can't transfer over from you know veg to flour and you're sitting there and you're you know seven ten more days in veg because of a delay and all of a sudden you've got trees (laughs) and your environment isn't designed for that right down to Managing relative humidity, you got 30, 40% more vegetation right. foliage in that space than it was designed for. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I, I like your I like your hospital rounds. That's that's interesting. I, I teach most of the staff that our customers, we often teach them the SOPs for real. You know, not the yeah, SOPs yeah. you put in a book that right. you send over and in an application, yeah. but the ones that cause you to operate effectively right down to waste management. We deal with a lot of waste management. Elaborate a little bit more on that. What do you mean by waste? Well, when you have to defoliate and you have you know, a lot of, of fan leaves, a lot of foliage, uh, it has to be destroyed properly. Hmm. When uh, when you have after a harvest and you have a lot of waste, whether it be all your crowns in your cores, that has to be dealt with properly. And with our regulations, I mean, ultimately, there's only three ways of dealing with waste legally. That is, you know, getting a bioingestion system of some kind, you know, burning it are shredding it and mixing it 50-50. And most organizations around here do a shredding and a mixing of 50-50, where you can shred up your root balls and your, you know, grow medium and mix it up with other things and deal with your waste management. Mm, But ultimately, waste management takes a lot more effort than expected, and it's usually not planned as well as what it should be. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> Not going to go into any of that, but yeah, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So thinking about, about employees. So something I've started asking everybody in, in a leadership position at every company is, now what's the number one thing you're looking for during an interview? Attitude. Yeah. Okay. And willingness to learn. Like this mm. is hard work and attitude, work ethic, and willingness to learn. Those are the, the that's that's the foundation. After that, anything can be built. Now what about experience? Not essential. <laughs> yep. Why well, I say that herein lies we there's a world where now we operate highly regulated facilities. Um, it's good to have a deep relationship to the plant. That for sure. Mm. But we're looking to train folks with very specific SOPs, with yeah. very specific techniques. And it's very important that you have a great relationship with the plant. But we don't want to bring bad bad, bad practices and techniques into different facilities and even have a righteousness around it all. No, this is how we operate. Right. Yeah. And that's a really good point. And especially given, and I'm, I'm going to ask you about this too, given what's about to happen to the caregivers where, mm -hmm. you know, I think that there's three, there's three categories of caregivers. There's the ones that follow the, follow the intention of the program and they probably have a little bit of people that they cousins and brother-in-laws and close family friends that they, they take care of. And then you got the guys that are super duper gorilla and doing all the things that probably the police and legislatures don't like. And then we've got this third group that has found a way to onboard product into MMFLA into the medical marijuana program. And October first rolls around, they're done. So I think you hit the nail on the head with some of the attitudes from caregivers, because I think that there's a, there is without a doubt a place for them in the medical marijuana and recreational mo models without a doubt, but they can't be heroes and they can't come in like big swinging dicks and they have to assimilate and leverage their experience and knowledge, but they can't just walk in and be like, Hey, you know what? I've been doing this for 20 years and I know everything we're going to do it my way. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that, guys. So it is definitely a different operating environment. And then at scale. Yeah. And then under a microscope regulated. Um, most caregivers don't, don't operate in that environment, and right. nor do they have to deal with the same economics right. and the complexity from a legal and regulatory perspective. So. Uh, they get an out on all of that, which makes our industry often quite difficult. And they purely focus on the plant, which is very admirable, beautiful. Mm. And uh, But we just got two different systems and they weren't designed to cross over. Right. Yeah. And those caregivers that really want to become commercial, I call them caregiver plus. Yeah. It's my my political way of saying, yes, we know you're scaling and you're still kind of 
in the model, but you know you're bending the rules here. Mm-hmm. So those folks there, you know, we invite you into the commercial world. And it's not easy yet. Uh, it will get easier. There's partnerships. There's different approaches, you know, but uh, uh, there's just two different systems. I just, I hope our state government, our local, our state regulators balance those two systems and empower both equally. That's my, my, you know, my hope uh, for our future. Well, that, is that uh, going to be the case? No. I don't think so. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No. But yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, it's really, it's just, there's, there is so much opportunity for the guys that have been in the field and paying their dues and, and, and being part of this thing from back in the day, but they'll have to be flexible. They'll have to learn, but there are, there are good paying jobs, 60 to 70,000, $80,000 a year jobs. Someone could work as a grower and, and have insurance and have a W2 and not have to worry about uh, warrants or raids or any civil asset forfeiture, any of that. And so, you know, my message to the caregivers is, you know, come into the fold guys, like your, your knowledge and your experience is incredibly valuable. And with the right mindset, that, that could be a huge asset to, to entire teams. But it just, the, the first words you said was it's, it's the attitude and that's the, ter- that's the determining factor. So Correct. if you could ask one interview question, what's the most important question you'd ask to a potential employee? I think it's re- again, mostly related to work ethic. Um, how do we see that in an interview? And so it's more of a scenario that I, it's not a question more than a scenario. Okay. Uh, when we're constrained, uh, when we don't have enough time and we need to work overtime for a few hours, is that okay for with you? Mm. Okay. That in itself gives, I think, a very clear picture of the willingness of an individual to work because it is laborious mm. and if you put if you put conditions on that service in a highly uh, you know unpredictable industry often it doesn't work that way we got to show up when we're needed yeah when we're most needed and that's most unpredictable yeah and then it's a uh... We're here till the job's done. Correct. Yeah. We got, there's a mentality about it. I, I hire a lot of veterans. Mm. After jobs, we do after action reviews. Okay. Very similar to the army, to most of the services. You know, what was supposed to happen? What did happen? What was there? Why was there a difference? But most importantly, what are we going to do next time? Hmm. That's what we do as a team for every client. We do after action reviews, but ex-military know that. Hmm. They know that procedure, the culture of learning and applying the learning. Because in battle, if you 
if you go to battle and you come back missing three people, you want to know what happened and mm. what you're going to do next time that's going to be different. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, uh, there's a lot of benefits that come with, with hiring vets. That's without a doubt. But I did not know that. That's interesting. Hmm. Our biggest program, our Michigan Veterans for Cannabis program, hmm. you know, a lot of folks are involved, a lot of groups are involved, and we're very proud of it. You know, we haven't declared it publicly because it's been a very interesting COVID-19 year, but <laughs> we're growing it very, very grassroots-like. You know, we're very proud of our showing on Memorial Day weekend and planting flags on 8,000 um, you know, graves of U.S. soldiers. Wow. That was very important to us. Yeah. So we really will be building a strong relationship with our community. It's not just the cannabis community. It's our whole community, but inviting them into the cannabis world. You know, and that's well, why we work with veterans. Yeah. Yeah. And, and ab- absolutely. And I think that the vets that I worked with, one, they, uh, I th- I've seen how, how much cannabis helps, whatever, whatever issues anybody has in general, but vets especially, but Correct. there's something about being in the garden, in the, in, in there with a the pair of scissors and just doing the work that, um, seems to help them a lot. And I, I like it's that. Therapeutic. It is. The yeah. garden is therapeutic, yeah, is. but at the same time, there's different dimensions of the industry that vets want access to. I want to be an owner. I want to be a licensee. I want to be a gardener. I want to be an empowered user mm. and not be blocked by the federal government. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is why our our Michigan Veterans for Cannabis exists for savings and support. Mm. So what does that support look like? Well, if I want to be a licensee, we're going to find you a great attorney and, subs- and subsidize you. Yeah. Nice. It's real, right? I want to I want a job. I want to learn how to garden myself. We can help with that. Correct. You know, so there's a lot of different dimensions to how we work with savings and support, but ultimately, formally, a licensee can donate. You can be a cultivator and donate, you know, a pound, five pounds a year to a major veteran organization Mm. and they will distribute it. Oh, nice. And provide the records, you know. So, you know, if you're a provisioning center, you sign up and for certain days you give, you know, discounts a certain percent, you know, and ob- the days are very obvious, flag day, memorial yeah. day, right? Yeah. You know, so it's, they are the days of our nation and what, and, and what comprises of who we are. Yeah, that we celebrate and we try to offer those savings. Then for brands, we also also offer savings for brands. You can we'll give you your all of our data. You send our vets coupons. 
So when they go into the store and buy your product, not a, they'll get a discount. But even if, if they did it on Veterans Day, then they'll get, you know, 20% discount from your coupon and 20% because it's Veterans Day and they get 40% off that day. And that's great. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, um, you know, as I talk to different business owners, everybody is doing so many different things. And I'm curious what, what cannabis aid the, uh, on, on the production side, the, the consulting side of things, what did you start that out as? And then how has it changed and evolved? Yeah, we started our professional services out a little over three years ago. Mm. When we, when we started Cannabis Aid. But of course, we didn't even have a legal industry for, <laughs> yeah. for certain, uh, cer- certain parts of our service. So we focused primarily on licensing and supporting different business strategies, and that was all pro bono hmm. because we are, we are, again, nonprofit cost recovery. Gotcha. Uh, so we've helped a lot with business strategy, with budgeting, with formation, of business plans, different ex- ex- exhibits for submission of applications. So we've done a lot of different things that way. And now that the industry is kicked off and busier, our professional services, hands-on garden services are just accelerating. Yeah. Well, how many people? Um, how many people are you hiring? I like to hire in the next uh, week. Maybe 10 people would oh, be wow. nice. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that's a whole nother crew, isn't it? Uh, almost. Um, in total, over the next month, I'll try to hire 30 people. Oh, wow. Go get them. <laughs> nice. That is awesome. And Yes. And so, and again, every time our customers bill one hour with us, we make 17% profit. We're very transparent, yeah. And that money goes straight over to our programs and and supports our programs. So, very very proud of the of the structure of it all. Yeah, and you know, I I would like to support what you're doing. I would offer uh, pro bono to post your jobs on handgrown.jobs, just because I love what you're doing and I love the people that you're supporting and. and I just think that what you're doing without ranting and raving too much is just fucking awesome. And when I see other people doing good stuff and I can help, I, I want to help. So if that's something you're interested in, then we can. I that. really appreciate it, Matt. We certainly can. Uh, we invite getting the word out. We haven't done any marketing with related to our services. It's all word of mouth. Um, we don't have a large marketing budget, but we are building it and because again, we don't have any profit. It all goes to our program. Yeah. yeah. And so we are limited on, you know, screaming out how great we are, <laughs> but I am very proud of our people. They're all very passionate and everyone has a relationship to the plant. Um, and they show up, they can work for two days a week a week they can work for six days a week really um we work we take sundays off because it's important for us to heal and balance ourselves as well as some people you know sunday's a very important day yeah well yeah and from the 
from the religious point of view, of course, but also <laughs> it could be a grind and it's, it's good. Even when you love your work, it's good to just kind of get some space. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if we, we could operate seven days a week. We have that <laughs> opportunity. Yeah. Uh, but I am choosing to try to balance our, ourselves. Um, we have a big, big event, uh, season coming up that we're preparing for as well. So a lot of activity on that side of things as well. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I want to put a pin in that events thing and and talk to you about that probably off, off the record. Um, But so it sounds like you've got quite a few, sounds like you're pretty popular at the dance. You got a lot of people that want to dance with you and that's great. So you can't dance with everybody, everybody. So how do you decide who you're going to go with and who you're not? What's the, what's the litmus test for, for clients? Yeah, it's definitely a partnership. Um, we look for a long-term partnership. We do come in uh, for e- emergency situations, we'll call them, which are often. Uh, we request and it's a request, a 10% bonus of our staff, and it goes straight to the staff cool. that participate on an emergency situation. It's not a lot of money, 10%, but it just acknowledges them. Yeah. If they made you know, $15 an hour, 10% is only $1.50, but we're asking them to jump. Yeah, right. And... So, and and you and I yeah. both know that when all hell is broken loose in the garden, time can make the difference between catastrophe and and saving something. So it's, correct, it matters. And, and I and we are specialists in 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 disasters. <laughs> what do we deal with? Uh, so there isn't a scenario that we go. We we're used to pressure. Mm. And we're high performing. Um, you know, a lot of the licensees, their staff, they get a pay regardless if they process X poundage or three X poundage. It doesn't matter. They still get paid the same. So what about, you know, thinking about, you know, I, I connect people. Yeah. Job, job seeker, cannabis employer, boom, here you go. <laughs> And what's happening, I'm getting a bit of a echo, Thomas. I apologize. I don't know how to stop it. <laughs> no, it, it went away. Nope, it didn't go away. Oh, what am I doing here? All right, testing, testing. Is it my side? I think it's your side. Um. If I put it on speaker, is it better? Yeah, let me see. Oh, yeah, way better. Totally. Perfect. Interesting. Okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, those are the crises and the problem solvings that I deal with. So you just got to look into my world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So the, and now we'll experience the power of editing. No one will know. <laughs> okay. Um, so thinking about connecting people, what's happening is I'm getting requests for support 
and education. So my question to you is, if you come into a place, do you, do you have a teaching protocol to where the dedicated staff at that facility, are they in there with you and are you teaching them, hey guys, this is how you take care of your facility? You know, we're, we're mercenaries. We're coming in here to get it done. But is it, is there a yeah. teaching methodology? We 100% embed a teaching philosophy yeah. and practices in action. Mm. Uh, they stand on the line beside us. We pull them in. They, they, we work beside Great. the staff. Um, and we set the pace. So it, it is not only do we set the pace with the staff, but we set the expectation with management and leadership. Gotcha. Most often they don't even know what to, what to budget for around a tree. How much does it cost to oh. maintain a tree? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've asked a couple people, what's your, what's your cost of goods grown? How much did it cost you to grow that, that gram? that plant and people have done all sorts of calculations but they haven't done that one i said well you know that's probably the most important one you should do (laughs) i mean how i mean if it if it if it costs four dollars a gram to grow it to grow that gram and you're selling for five dollars what are you doing you know i'm gonna even switch it slightly different matt from an accountant and business perspective they'll understand net profitability when that occurs with the date. They'll understand cost per gram. Okay. Mm. But when you're in operation and you're really, really at an operational level and you're running the facility or a chief cultivation officer, you're trying to figure out for that cultivar the total cost of ownership is going to be 43 minutes before harvest. That's the time of from cloning to flip all the way through, et cetera, so forth, mm. 43 minutes. That's, and then what your blended rate for your employees is going to be, you know, $25 an hour loaded with benefits. I'm just making it up right now. Yeah. So the 43 minutes, $25 an hour, you know, that's almost like 75% of an hour. Yeah. So you get a sense of the total cost of operational ownership. Cause I got a budget and I got real, I got people to pay and I got supplemental support to come in and guess what? Those supplemental support folks call cannabis aid. Like they do twice as much for the dollar. Hmm. That's crazy. Well, that's that's proficiency. That's experience. That's effort right. and attitude. Right. Because it's a grind over time. The first few cycles, the first few harvests are always exciting. You get to the 45th harvest and the 100th, and it's not as exciting no longer. Mm, I'm, I'd, probably, I'd probably split hairs with you on that one. But not today, I agree. Not, not today and not right now. <laughs> hmm. So what are the upsides 
What are the upsides to working in cannabis aid? I think that every time you fill an hour, you work an hour with cannabis aid, you're giving to our community. The same as our clients when they book us. It's, they're really supporting our program. But every employee, when every hour that they work, 17%, they're making profit. And that goes to our vets. That goes to our educational programs and, and events and conferences and stuff. So um, no one's running to the bank. They love working for an organization that stands beyond money. Mm. Yeah. And they're still going to get paid like they would pay, get paid in anywhere other place. It's just that we just don't make profit. That's all. Yeah. Um, so what is a, what's, what's a, cause I get asked. So what's a starting out salary at cannabis aid? $15 for an entry person. Okay. And is there opportunities for career growth, career development, entrepreneurship? For sure. Again, across the three divisions of programs, events, and professional services. There's all kinds of activities. Yeah, you got you got space for vertical growth, promoting within for sure. <laughs> yeah. And most often uh folks that work in professional services work in at least two of the three business units. Mm. There they may be working in professional services, but they may be supporting sales around events. Okay. Oh you know, so yeah, and we're a big community, but we're a tight community, and at the same time, a very, very small community. It's, it's an oxymoron to say that. Yeah, everyone knows each other, but mm-hmm. we also are growing very rapidly. Yeah, there's a lot of new faces, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a matter of, oh wait, who are you, and who are you, and how do I know I, I can trust you? <laughs> That's the name of the game. And uh, that's just reputation building in time, and and that kind of comes with it. But okay, with if I wanted to work with you, and I live in Grand Rapids, is there? Am I going to run with like a Western Michigan team, or am yeah. I going to be going to Traverse City? Like what? Are we are launching teams in every major city? Okay. Right now, I'm really working hard to grow the Warren team. Yeah. And, and I thought it was only going to be initially 10 people on the Warren team. Now it's 20 people on the Warren <laughs> team. So it's taken me a little bit longer to establish the Warren team. But we have such great relationships in our community that many of our licensees that come to our events, they're operators and and they're also interested in our professional services. Yeah. And so it's really, it's a full circle. And uh, so we do have uh, crews uh, developing, establishing in every major city from Grand Rapids to Saginaw to Warren to Downriver. Gotcha. Adrian area. Uh, there's, I mean, it's continually growing. Our industry is growing and I welcome those that are passionate about it. 
there's a place for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, experience is great for sure. And if you've got it, then, then use it, but come correct with the attitude. And, and really it's, it's about teaching and learning. And I think there's a, there's definitely a, I've begun to notice a type of person that does well in this space and it has nothing to do with creed, sex, or religion. That, that means nothing. It has to do with a mindset and an age doesn't seem to make a difference either, but it's the, no, yeah, it's the people that, that like working in teams that are effective communicators that are hungry to learn and also to share in a meaningful way because everybody has a different background and just because a role doesn't exist today doesn't mean that it won't in six months. And so it's really just about getting one's foot in the door, but it takes that, it, it still takes a little bit of courage to get in the space and that's, that's changing over time and that's to be expected. But yeah, it, it's just the people that do well are the ones that come in with, with eyes wide open and things like this definitely help open people's eyes. So what are some of the things that surprised you about working in cannabis? Well, the very first thing is the nature of our regulation. Our regulators are very proud of our program, and I think they should be, mm. but they're also handcuffed by our program and some of their our limitations around it. Mm. And so I would say, uh, you know, that, um, for example, on the medical side, I can hire an 18 and up individual, but they cannot work on the recreational side unless they're 21 yeah. and up. So I'm, been, I'm, by the way, I'm very proud that I've hired our first uh, 19-year-old uh, young lady. Wow. We try to diversify our team. Yeah. And it was very important for me to try to hire someone that was young, very ambitious in the industry, uh, but was not discriminated because they were young. Yeah. Um, we are, have a very diverse team where um, our oldest trimmer um, is an elderly lady that is a power knitter, and now she has shifted her craft over to trimming and she can trim <laughs> a powered knitter. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I can see exactly what that is. Like she just cranks out mittens and, and things like that. That's so funny, <laughs> but yeah, without a doubt, the dexterity and like her hands must be so, uh, uh accurate and strong. Like, <laughs> I mean, just for hours, she's probably a trimming robot. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, so, you know, it's a very interesting. I think the cannabis sector welcomes everyone. Again, it's not about gender. It's not about age. It's not about ethnicity. ethnicity. It's about effort. It's about your relationship to the plant, that you care for the product, and you care for how you show up. You have integrity. For how you show up. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I had, uh, I've seen that as well. I did, uh, I did 
an interview with a guy who had worked, um, you know, in the unregulated market in the wild, wild west. But he had, he had the experience and he seemed to have the right mindset. And so I went and I talked to the hiring manager at this other company and I said, well, this is the guy's name. He said, Matt, I know who that is. And I said, oh, well, that's good, right? He said, no, that's horrible. I said, why? And he told me about some of the actions that the, the other guy had taken. And I went, oh, geez, I had no idea. I mean, how would I know? And he said, yeah, I mean, he could do the job for sure. But, and maybe he's changed, but man, I just don't want to do, I just don't want to be in business with that person because of some of the things that he did. I don't well, enough said, then the breaks. So I couldn't agree more. Reputation is everything. It totally is everything. And it's relationship based because the people that are the entry level people today, I mean, I've seen this too. The guys that come in that are entry level, they're, they're about to be regional managers. So yeah, if, if you come in with a certain, you know, work ethic and again, a focus, just like any other business, treat it like any other industry. You don't, just because you've been around the plant for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, does not give you entitlement. Right. You still got to show up strong and showing up strong means results, not knowledge. Mm. Yeah, that's a great, yeah, that, uh, that's a great point. And you've been, you've been saying this word a lot that I like, and it's effort. And I'll say, you know, give me somebody, and this is a, this is an exaggeration, but give me somebody that chews on their ear, but bust their butt. And I'll take them over somebody who's got, who's got all the smarts in the world because it's effort. And especially in, in positions of, of physical labor, if someone's not pulling their weight, they get screamed at and they don't get stay, they don't stay, stay around very long. And that's just the nature of it. And well, let me, let me add this to Matt before we, we think we lose that, this train of thought. I have a gentleman that has, his back has been broken three times. Mm. Um, you know, he is truly, truly, truly a medical marijuana patient. Um, and there's room for him. Why? He, he can do trimming. He can do, he's not going to stand. He can't be in the garden for 11 hours on his feet. You know, that's not his role, but there's a lot of room for different folks, different capacities, but you again, got to show up with attitude and effort. Mm. And from there we can create. How long does it take before you can, before you, well, you know what? It doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like your training is that way. It sounds like somebody comes in day one, they don't know anything. And then they're just with the group and they're with the team. And that's how their education is, is kind of handled. So it doesn't sound like you're, yeah. yeah. I think that it's by osmosis and by inaction. Some people come in not knowing anything. Some people come in thinking they know everything. Mm. By the end of a week with us, both of those perspectives are adjusted. Those that know (laughs) very little learn a lot. And those that thought they know a lot learn about something different, about how to be humble. 
Yeah. And how to just get to it. Well, and it's not about you at all. It's just about the work. You know what's in, you know what's interesting about that is and I deal with the egomaniacs and, and I have for years because that's that's what being a caregiver in cannabis is for the most part. And at least the the loud and out front ones. And I'll meet somebody and they'll go, Oh, I'm the best, man. I'm the best grower. I'm the best. And I say, Oh, well, I know the best. I know them. Marcel, Michael Tui, Doc Deadhead. I know them. And they don't ever say that. And then also the thing about that group of guys is they are still learning. They've, they've never said, Oh, you know what? I've got, I'm the most winningest cannabis competitive, competitive cannabis guy there is. And I know everything and you're not going to teach me anything. Oh no. These guys are still hungry. They're still, that they're still picking up tips and tricks and, and nuances from other people. So (laughs) yeah, it's just, it is attitude. Um, I I do not. Con- I'm a business person that, for a very long time, has been in the garden, mm. and I still consider myself a novice. But in the last week, I personally probably touched two thousand plants. That's a lot of plants. In a week. Yeah, that's a lot of plants. Yes. So, and it requires you to put a long hours into a facility, into a business, into a relationship. We invest in, in those that invest in us. We care about our clients. They are our partners. We show up for them hard, mm. really hard. We're really proud of that. And our analogy is very similar to, you know, why I hire vets. We are in this together. Mm. There's no one that's left behind. If we're trimming and there's a light box, we jump on that box. No one is left behind. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. And what a good what a good feeling it is to be the on uh, the the caboose of the train and here comes the rest of the team dogpiling on a on a on a project. It's like, yeah, these guys got my back. Cool. I like working here. Yeah, that's that's cool. Now, after we're done that job, we're going to be straight up and say, "Hey, this is just not for you. Don't come back tomorrow." Right. Yeah, and how but often does that happen? What's the what's the attrition rate? Thirty percent. Yeah. Do you think that's yeah. high or low? I'm not sure. I think it's actually <laughs> me neither. That's why I ask. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend I do know that, especially specifically in the cannabis sector. Um, we've gotten better at it in a sense of filtering, but. Yeah. The truth is, I invite everybody, and we get them on a job, and that's the ground truth of it all, because I have heard everything. I've heard how great people are, but when I put them in a situation, then you really see how great they are, you know, and and vice versa. I've seen folks that say they know nothing, 
but they stand out and they're stellar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I love the idea. It's basically just a working interview, dynamic interview. That's what it is. I'm going to pay you for your time. We're not, we're going to, we're going to part my French. No bull crapola. We're going straight to it. <laughs> I, I don't know if that was French, but we're, we'll take it. That was very edgy. <laughs> I didn't want to use the French word. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's all good. It's all good. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that's great because it says, hey, step up to the plate and and, and, and hit it or don't, but let's see how you, let's, let's see the effort put in. That's great. Do you guys offer insurance? That's a question I'm asked every time. We we are after six months. Gotcha. You know, so we start with on a you know ten ninety nine. Then we hire you full time. Then we offer benefits. Yep. Uh, like, and it's unique because not too many groups do that. Um but we definitely don't want to waste each other's time. So that's why right down from, we don't really interview. We throw you into the fire, (laughs) see how you did. And you tell us if you should show up again. Oh, okay. Um, I love that. I I totally love it. Super nerdy question here, but do, do the guys get to choose what type of scissors they want to use? Curved, straight, um, Correct, hundred percent. But they've learned the whole purpose of why even those scissors are designed that way. Right, yeah. right, <laughs> right. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yes, of course. We have we have tried every possible type of scissor. Yeah. And every possible type of glove. Mm. What's your go-to? You know, What's your favorite? You you know which ones? I'm a. I don't use spring-loaded scissors. No, I only use bonsai scissors because um, after, you know, 10 hours plus into a garden, <laughs> uh, repeatedly day mm. after day, you're going to find that little spring is like quite an exercise. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. Yep. Now, the bonsai shears are a little bit more expensive, actually probably twice as expensive. Yeah. And there's no reason why maybe this is not as popular. Um, but for hardcore guys, we tend to use those type of shears rather than spring-loaded trimming shears. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. Um, what about What about PPE? Um, do you guys use any like method seven glasses or what do you guys do for being underneath those lights for that many hours? If you're, if you're in the, under the canopy. Yeah. Um, different facilities have different capacities right down to we in a given row, we can lift the lights up while we're working underneath them. Yeah. So it depends, but PPE is very important to us. Of course, uh, glasses, Right down down to sun ray clothing, which is a yeah. you know a protective clothing that's in the market now, and we and uh, it's excellent. Uh, but ultimately, the most important thing are hats. Mm, yeah, hair, big, beards, and big, hair. 
everywhere. Just think of if you were working on the equator. Yeah. How, you know, so in an agricultural environment. So hats are very important that they, no ball caps. Hats mm. that cover like Gilligan's Island hats. <laughs> like cover your whole head in the back of your neck. Yeah. Right. So, you know, of course we have to use masks in facilities, but yeah. when you're up on high on the canopy, it's a hundred degrees and right. how long can you put that mask on? Right. Well, yeah. And well, when you said hats, the first thing I thought was uh, hair, you know, the when when the bud gets sticky, yeah. you know, it grabs everything. So there's that too, but. Well, our protocol here is anything over two inches, you have to have a hairnet. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter if the client, our, most of our clients don't even have that protocol, but our our staff, that is our protocol. Yeah, what are your uniforms? What do you guys wear? It ranges. Every client has a different protocol for okay. uniforms, but the most important thing, honestly, is cleansiness. Right. And, um. And depending on what part of an organization you're with, if you're in the garden, that's hot. You're going <laughs> to yeah. probably wear shorts. Yeah. Okay. And I endorse it now. You know, I, we, not, we don't want to have big, full scrubs. Right. With, with a shower bonnet on it right. where your head can't breathe and you're already in a 100-degree environment. Yeah. You know, I just, that's just not the, you know, formula for success. No, so, that's misery. <laughs> yeah. So we use hair nets that are open air hair nets, and I promote cotton, large cotton uh, hats. We got a whole education on, on how to protect yourself. Yeah. And we work with our clients, and they even, purchase very specific items and materials and different uh, different uh, different products to help with that. Yeah. Um, and it's an education right down to when we flip a room and clean a room, you, you know, you need to have respirators even. Well, yeah, yeah. And we find most of our clients don't even, don't have real actual SOPs to clean and flip a room. Yeah, right. Which and is everything. Yeah, that, that cleanliness. The very is, first time we yeah. flip a room for a client, it shocks them. They don't realize what it takes to effectively flip a commercial grow room. Well, you know, I mean, speaking from from experience, lose lose a crop, and then experience that and then <laughs> watch how diligent and consistent the cleaning becomes because we have it could, a, be, it could be prevented. Correct. We have a, a whole service around, uh, around cleaning where we clean grow rooms yeah. while, while they're in, in operation, not at the end at the flip. Right, and that's a totally different you, you animal. Should, yeah. Yes, you should clean a commercial grow room probably three times in its life cycle 
you know, of harvesting your plant. And every time that you're doing a major cleaning, you're primarily, you know, usually doing after a major activity like a defoliation. It's so definitely a lot of learning right now for our, for our licensees, you know, and very nice to work with them and, and, partner around that learning and introduce a lot of practices that we have learned across so many different facilities. Yeah. Um, it's, it's nice. It's very, very, it's conducive. Yeah. And thinking about from just an education point of view, you know, my gears are turning. Okay. I'm a young person. I want to get in cannabis. Working at cannabis aid sounds like a pretty rad place to work. Okay. I'm going to go work there. And it's like, you know what? I, I want to be a master grower. Sounds like if I go work here, these guys are, are just like the badasses. I'd get the most, most variety of exposure. You're working with guys that probably run, uh, run, run to, wa- run to waste or drip into cocoa or straight soil, no till or soil with nutrients or, drip into rock wool. I mean, those are some, those are totally different systems. So the exposure that your guys are getting working there, that's the beginnings of, of, of journeyman of being a grow of, of being a grower. And I, I, I would go, Oh, you know what? I, I could work here and have a good relationship and give and take and start my own pathway and go and join a, a, a set facility. And then I think go from there. I think the attraction to cannabis aid is that you are going to learn ground truth. Mm-hmm. And also you're going to learn a lot of different approaches. Mm-hmm. We have clients with living soil. Yeah. We have clients. I mean, there, we have seen, every possible environment and every contraption you possible. And that's how you get a robust education. It's a, it's a variety of exposures. Yes. Yes. So, but we also understand the sensitivity of today's operating environment. Most of our folks are dedicated to two customers and that is it. Mm, Yeah. And, and they need to master those customers' environments. They don't need to know everything. They just need to know those customers really, really well and what's important to them yeah. and what causes their success. Well, and yeah, and that's, that's true. That's absolutely true because nobody, <laughs> nobody's doing it the same. Everybody's got their no. own variations, even within just even within soil. Some people are not tilling it and they're, they've got a biosphere rocking in there and other people are, are pouring a Florinova on it. Who knows? So, <laughs> um, correct. Correct. We have, it is a different environment for different, very different opportunities, different environments. You know, I, I, I see a lot of dynamic, uh, creation going on. And uh, it, it's just ongoing, whether it be a, a contractor, whether it be a licensee, whether it be, it doesn't matter. 
it's a continual learning. Um, anybody that thinks they know it um, is fooling themselves. <laughs> the biggest licensees, the smallest, you know, craft growers, we do not know it yet. And we're just beginning. And so it is exciting. And that's why I always go back to that attitude and overall the way you approach it. Um, if you're open to learning, Cannabis A is a great place. You're going to learn. You're going to see a lot of different environments. And you're never going to be right. And you'll never be wrong. <laughs> Usually when I'm giving advice out there, I say, okay, there's, there's some tried and true places to go to obtain some knowledge. And I'll point to Jorge Cervantes or Ed Rosenthal and especially that troubleshooters, uh, the little handbook <clears throat> that's got the pictures, of the yeah. troubleshooters guide. I love that thing. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you recommend? Oh God. I recommend a little bit of everything depends on who you are and how you absorb and learn. Some people learn through video. Some people learn through talking and collaboration. Mm. Some people learn through reading a book. If you want to read one of Ed's books, yeah. You know? um, there's a lot of knowledge out there. Some of it's bull crap, Ola, and you'll <laughs> learn that too. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't have a specific go-to. I do have get your hands on the plant. Then yeah. you'll really learn. Yeah. And, and that was my next two points is uh, grow shops. And, and again, you'll run into people that know what they're talking about and don't, but you'll figure it out. But grow shops are a good place to at least grow shops were the hubs of knowledge when I started. And the internet is so it's full of so much conjecture and bullshit that it's, I, I, I don't ever go to the internet to look for answers. Cause it's just arguing about who knows what, and then there's no straight answers. So I'm leery of that. Books are good. There's some, there's definitely some good YouTube people out there, but like you said, we it's within our rights to grow a couple plants and get your hand on the plants. That's, that's a way to do it too. So you want to protect our caregiver model, be active in it, you know, express yourself to our regulators, but in an organized manner. Oh, you know, that is, I, I, I love that sentiment. I do, but that is not something that is a community that we do. And it's frustrating because I'm not for or against, you know, the, the, the big guys or the, the little guys or this or that. Like, no, I'm, I'm for who's good for us. Period. And there just is not a, there's not a unified voice from caregivers and there's not unified lobbying or advocacy. There is a lot of fear and anger and pain and lashing out at whoever, whatever does anything near or around them. And I get it. I understand it completely. But at the same time, instead of gnashing our teeth, we've got to have a unified voice and say, these are the things that we value. And these are the things that we want to do moving forward. And they have to be reasonable. They're, 
there has been a couple attempts to carve out different license types for caregivers. And that it was met with such opposition from some of the some of the more outspoken care caregiver advocates that it 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 never got any support and it died. And there are things in the works now that we'll see how they come. And I'm a skeptic. I got to be honest with you. I am because I've, I've seen it. I've seen it quite a few times. And I just, uh, I think the wisest thing for the caregivers, the ones that are doing it commercially, which is not, I'm, I'm not going to get into the legal weeds of that either right now, but the ones that are doing it commercially, get, get, a, get a job in the industry and come, come in because the penalties for running afoul of the caregiver program, one, they're stiff already, but they're going to become even, even more punitive. And I think there are a lot of people that have the skills and, and, and the attitudes because that's what it took to, to be a caregiver in the first place is someone that was hungry for knowledge and for them to just either go to jail or get their lives rolled, I think is just a shame. So that's my soapbox speech about the caregiver. And I'm worried about them. You know, that this, we've seen this, the, the MRA say, okay, no more caregiver inputs. And then I stopped counting after seven times that this, the state stopped, said they'd stop and then allowed it, said they'd stop and allow it. But it looks like this is when this, this time is done, but yeah, it's uh yeah, the, yeah, they're, they're too valuable to just get thrown to the waste. Yes. I'm uh, I hope that again, they're not thrown to the waste. Um, there's something that could occur if some leadership is organized within the community and approaches our regulators and state leadership to honor and, and uh, protect and empower both of our legal systems. Yeah. Their commercial regulated system as well as our caregiver system. There's room for both. And uh, that's where I'll keep it. Um, but caregivers as a group are not organized. I think you're spot on. Uh, there's time limit to it. Um, we really do have only a certain amount of time to address, uh, you know, the value of the caregiver system. And I think we got about a year or so. So, Let's see what, what's going to happen in the next short bit and see if there's going to be a real shaping and initiative around this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to shut my mouth because I'll be the guy that's killing hope. <laughs> so I'm not going to say another word on, on that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to put my, I'm not putting judgment or, uh, anything out there around hope or despair or anything like that. I'm just going to say that something has to be done. Will it be done? Um, yeah, that's a question. That, that is definitely <laughs> the question. Yeah. Well, this has been a pretty good talk. Any questions, thoughts, concerns you have for me? 
No, not at all, Matt. Okay. Well, that was easy. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time out of, your, out of your schedule and sharing your thoughts, opinions, experience, and insights. And, uh, and we'll, we'll drop a link for, for Cannabis Aid for the people that are interested in checking out Thomas's company and what they do. And yeah, so enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks for participating. I appreciate it. Well, Matt, thanks for having me and, uh, you know, sharing who we are. I really appreciate it. Um, your, you know, channel, your, your voice isn't free. Um, and, so, and I recognize that as, you know, it's something that I value. I don't take advantage of. Oh, now that now there's no middle ground with me either. I'll do anything I can do to help you or piss off. So no, uh, whatever I can do to help Thomas, but thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's you're in the field. I'm in the field. We're, we're in the field and many hands make light work and effort is the difference maker. And so when I see people doing, doing the things that are required, yeah, I'm happy to help. Yeah, those, those are the guys I want to help. So, and whatever, whatever I've, been, I've been watching a lot of letter Kenny, which is a hilarious show. And they say, when a friend asks for help, you help him." And you didn't even ask, but I'm, I'm happy to help. Well, I appreciate it, Matt. I mean, uh, if you know anyone that is highly interested in the industry, we'll, we'll always find a place for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the truth is it, there's no great landing spot for many folks and licensees have limitations in who they can hire yeah. versus me as a professional services contractor. I have more leeway. Oh yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. That's you a, know, I, yeah. I do have caregivers that have felonies that have been busted. If you want to call it that. Yep. Um, but they're my brothers and sisters and I can't leave them behind. Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, you hit it on the pen with, with that as well. And that's was three years ago. I gave a speech at uh, the Monroe street fair and I said, hand grown will be the soft landing you will need. And I was talking about the moments that are coming up and beginning in October where it's, these are the people that have been out here and. We've got to do something with them because they've bled and sacrificed and cared for so many people when it was, it was dangerous, legally questionable. Those are the people that I want to be successful. And I, I think that, that, that it gets great that there are people that are going to be excluded just because of what happened to them in their life. And that is that fair? Probably not. But is anything going to get done about it? Probably not in any meaningful time to have an impact on those people's lives. People need jobs now. And so I think that's, that's a great avenue. It's a, it's a, it's a pressure relief valve, but it all boils down to, to effort and, and all the things that we've been talking about again and again and again in this show. So that's great. Well, thanks again and uh, enjoy your evening and can't wait to do this again. Matt, let's have a drink or a 
smoke sooner rather than later. <laughs> I agree. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, now it's time for the after-interview review. As you guys can tell, there's becoming an, uh, an emerging trend here when you talk to people that are business owners and business leaders in the cannabis space that they often wear many hats. Thomas is one of those people that just fits that mode perfectly. He does quite a few very complex things in the space. And I think that he does them from a point of passion and also necessity. And that really is kind of what drives a lot of the leaders in the cannabis sector is more often than not, something needs to be done and that solution doesn't exist yet. So <laughs> it gets taken on by, by that person. So I hope you guys can tell that Cannabis Aid and Thomas is a fantastic place to work. And especially for veterans, that's really his focus. That's his mission is working with his fellow brother and brothers in arms, leveraging the experience that veterans get from their time serving our country. And I think that's awesome. And we're happy to support our cannabis aid from a workforce development point of, point of view with Hangro.jobs and our cannabis. So if you're somebody out there that is interested in working in a grow facility, and getting your foot in foot in the door is in production. I think working in cannabis aid would be a great opportunity to get exposure to some different growing methods. I think that as his company expands, there'll be more opportunities in your geographical area. So you'll have shorter commute times. You'll be able to form relationships with within the company and with different, different businesses. And so if you need help making a resume, then reach out to us at contact at rcannabis.org. That's contact at ourcannabis.org. And we can help you make a resume. So this has been Matt Hoffman, and I look forward to seeing you in the cannabis field.